Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot -E com slash S-E-J. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn, not your normal host here on the Search Engine Journal show, Brent Satoris. But thankfully, I have him right here as today we're going to be going through the mind of one of the most respected people in social media today and a partner here at Search Engine Journal. So we're going to talk about the journey, Brent, and you will be my guest here on the Search Engine Journal show. Awesome. And uh, if you guys listening don't know, Greg Finn is also the host of Marketing O'Clock, which is an amazing podcast that recaps all the news each week and definitely one that's on my listen list and should be on yours as well. And you can only find that on the Search Engine Journal Network. So check that out. But Brett, today is about you. Yay. Usually our <laughs> listeners hear you asking the questions and today you're on the hot seat. So are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't take much to get me to talk. Uh, it's more about getting me to shut up that I think is the problem. <laughs> and you've got some of the, the some great stories and I'm hoping we can hear some of those today about your journey through where you are today and how you got there. So Yeah, it's definitely different. Um Back in the day, like 15 years ago, it was, it was you know, as you know, you've been around longer than me, but, um, you know, it, it was a completely different game because you didn't really have paths that you went down, right? It wasn't like I'm an SEO or I'm a social media person or I'm a link builder. I mean, sure, you, you, people called themselves whatever, but you pretty much had to do everything. I had to learn how to build websites. You had to learn how to, you know, create content. You had to learn how to do everything to, to, to have success because you didn't know where it was going to go and it would change so quickly you had to be on on your toes constantly nowadays people can you know really just you know stick in one silo of of marketing and do it quite quite effectively but that just wasn't the case back then right right absolutely and i think that's that's a good maybe place to start is you know where on your professional journey where did you start brent so my mine's kind of interesting because i actually got i actually applied for a web editing job at a place called um, Aegis, uh, A-G-I-S, and it was assist guide at the time, and they did assisted living, um, and they offered websites to different assisted living facilities, and they also were building a kind of a Medicare uh, form-filling solution that would save the government money, and that was going to be their big thing. And um, I, uh, as I was, you know, interviewing, I ended up talking about 
SEO. And I really didn't know much about it. I just talked about, you know, the fact that, you know, in, in doing one of my businesses, I had ranked on Bing, you know, which is, you know, I didn't know it wasn't, you know, that hard to do, you know, at the time. But, you know, so I, I mentioned SEO terms and stuff. And, and so I didn't end up getting the job. And I was quite crushed because I'd interviewed with like three people and I thought I had done really good. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get this job. This is going to be great. And then I, I got a call. They were like, look, you're, you're not you're not hired. And, and so I was really bummed. And I think because of their HR policies or something, they couldn't tell me why. Right. So I ended up getting a job at Boston market and I was, you know, on track to sign a contract to be a store manager. So I was going to have my own Boston market store. And the day before I was supposed to sign the contract, this company called me back and they said, we didn't hire you for that web editing role because we wanted to hire you to manage over a hundred websites, you know, doing SEO for all these assisted living uh, facilities, uh, an individual that they had there who was doing it was moving on they needed a replacement and they wanted to hire me and so I said look um, I'm happy to, to do it but I can't interview like I'm, I'm signing a contract with Boston Market tomorrow so you need to match my salary and basically uh, you know kind of you know got them to send me an offer over and I ended up taking the job and uh, pretty much became an SEO overnight with no real knowledge of anything that had anything to do with SEO I even remember like and, and how I really learned right was um, I, I went online and I found Webmaster Radio and there was a show called um, the SEO Rockstars which was Greg Bozer and Todd Friesen and you know I started like you know downloading all the episodes so you could download those mp3s and burn them on a CD and stick it in your CD player in your car and so on my 45 minute commute I would literally listen to these conversations and had no idea what these guys were talking about. They would, I would, I have a notepad somewhere that has like little lines like three zero one question mark, cloaking. You know, I, I had no idea about anything, but I would listen to the show and I would test it out. And um, you know, on my commute back and forth to work, and this was when I was living in the St. Louis area. Yeah, I listened to that same show and very similar to what what you are talking about now. Um, and and there, that at the time, Webmaster Radio was so prevalent, and you know now here today, you've kind of built your own search engine journal network, and so you can see that DNA a little bit in, in what got you there. But I wanted to just backtrack one second. So before the Assist Guide Information Network, Information Services Network job, um, you had some background in publishing, even if it was light, or you kind of went out and created that. You did have some. Sure, sure, publishing. sure. So, yeah, I mean, I've always been, you know, I used to write a lot of poetry when I was a kid. You know, I, I, I had a kind of, you know, what a lot of people don't know is I had a really crazy childhood. Um, I was a military brat and I moved around a lot. But when I was probably about like eight or nine, you know, seven or eight or something like that, we ended up moving to Lubbock, Texas, which was at the time like the stabbing capital of the world or something. It was, and so I was exposed to a lot of gang violence and a lot of, you know, kind of like, you know, quote unquote, the streets, you know, going to school and having a lot of incidents and stuff. And so um, through there, I ended up in Virginia Beach and, and some of the various areas around Virginia and it, it ended up getting worse, you know, the, the environments there. And so I spent a good part of my early years kind of, um, you know, dealing with a lot of that type of lifestyle and getting in a lot of trouble and so forth. And so I ended up moving um, to St. Louis and I ended up, um, you know, just really overnight, I, I was getting in a lot of trouble in Virginia and my dad lived in St. Louis. So I was like, look, um, I got to make a change or I'm going to end up in prison. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to end up dead or, or in jail, you know, that type of scenario. So I, I moved literally overnight to live with my dad and I was in school probably three or four days. And this girl was like, do you want to go to this party? And I ended up going to a rave all weekend long. 
and met the guy who was hosting the rave and he was you know me and him had a conversation over a cigarette and he was like I would love you to come and help me run these raves and these clubs and so I ended up um, joining their production group and at like 15 16 I was quote-unquote kind of running the rave scene in, in the Midwest with these guys and um, that led me to an opportunity from a friend of mine Dave who um, knew a guy uh, out in Jacksonville who was um, running this magazine called Movement Magazine and they said hey you know we'd love to get some contribution articles or whatever and so I, I wrote one or two articles for Movement Magazine and then after that the scene kind of went down and I joined the military and became a meteorologist and went to Tokyo Japan and when I was in Tokyo, I ended up opening up Accelerator Magazine, which was one of the top electronic music magazines in the world at the time. And, you know, I just, I, I looked and I noticed they had the editor's email address and I knew that there was this kind of club scene that was happening, you know, you know this rave scene that was happening in, in Tokyo. And, and I figured it was probably un, underrepresented. And so I, there, there was this one guy, Kenny Shi, who was the number one techno producer at the time. You know, he had made, you know, music for the Olympics and for all these really high-end watches so he was kind of like really on top of his game at the time and so I emailed the editor of Accelerator and I was like how would you like a feature article with Kenny Shi you know and then I emailed uh, Sony Records and said how would you like a feature cover article in Accelerator magazine and both said yes so I ended up going into the city and spending like three days with this guy and just really, you know, writing a really in-depth article about how his mind, you know, works and how he, you know, creates music and what's his inspirations. And from then I, I started, you know, kind of doing journalism and writing and, and, and writing for a lot of different magazines, you know, Herb Magazine uh, from the UK, Mix Mag, you know, and just started doing music magazine work. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely, you know, have some background on that. And then I also got into computers when I was really young. My mom got me a Commodore 64 when I was seven years old and the first thing I learned was how to BBS hop you know until she got the you know phone bill because back then it was you know <laughs> phone calls and whatnot so I mean I, I'd gotten into that and then when AOL came out with shell accounts you could you could basically hack back then so I started you know that was my path of like learning how to hawk, hack you know and I have a buddy, uh, Robert Hansen, who's a really good friend of mine. He's a real legit hacker. And, you know, I never got that far because um, in my journey, I was dumb enough to download a blue box, which was a tone generator diagram for being able to, like, transfer money and make free phone calls. It was, it was flagged by uh, the government. So when I downloaded it, my dad got a call the next day and I came home. And, you know, it's just like out of the movies. Like, oh, you know, nobody broke in my door or anything. But I came home and all my shit was gone. And I was like, uh... So, so I had a little bit of technology background. I'd always kind of messed with, you know, FTP protocols, you know, shares, uh, news groups, the old, uh, you know, kind of share protocols, you know, all the different, you know, kind of, you know, getting things for free and screwing around on the internet. I'd done a lot of that. And so all of those things kind of came together when I got into SEO and I understood enough about just hustling. And so, you know, having a little bit of hustle and a little bit of technology background and a little bit of publishing background, you know, tie that into, you know, really just wanting more than anything to, to make a, you know, to make a move and to have a place that I belonged and that I could have be successful in and, and move forward in life. You know, SEO was really just a gift, you know, at that time. And so that's kind of, you know, the lead up to it. Yeah. And so before we get into that and your first journey through, you know, the uh, actual digital marketing job, I've got to ask a question. Can you cook a good bird if you were out over there at Boston Market? 
Can, can you cook a good chicken? You know, I couldn't then. <laughs> uh, I actually can now. You know, thank nice. God to, you know, some of these like home cooking services that you can get, like Blue Bonnet and all these other things. I started doing a lot of those um, subscriptions because there was like, um, when they first came out, Groupon would let you use their Groupon discounts and they would, they would let you use them unlimited. So I could essentially, you know, get 50% off all these boxes and the meals were like five bucks per meal for like really good meals. So I was like, shit, you know, I might as well keep ordering these, you know, boxes. And so I started to learn how to cook through that. And so I actually really enjoy cooking and I, I can cook a decent meal, you know. <laughs> well, I can tell you the entire community is glad that you came the way of digital marketing so that we have you here. And so then there you are. We heard the backstory and now you've got over a hundred assisted living sites that you're managing and it's your job to again do these digital marketing services for. And so you started listening to podcasts. I know just personally because of your story that you started going to conferences as well. What was your plan of attack? You know, that that's a yeah. pretty different background than this job that you have lined up. How did you go about, you know, solving this big problem in front of you? Yeah, with conferences and like SEO in general, I really didn't know at the time. Like I didn't even realize the conferences really existed. Sure, I mean, I had seen them, you know, I, I knew that they existed in the world, but it never really clicked for me that people would go to a conference. And so, um, you know, this PubCon conference was being talked about on the Webmaster Radio chat, you know, and I was like, hey, is this something I should go do? And I was only at the company like three weeks, right? And I'm like, hey, should I go to this PubCon thing? And my boss was in San Francisco, even though the office that I was in was in St. Louis. So he was a little progressive and he was like, I said, hey, everyone's saying I should go to this PubCon conference. I'm going to meet with some of the best SEOs in the game. Google's going to be there. And they said, sure, go ahead. And so within a month of being hired, I was off to, you know, PubCon. And I remember I had messaged Todd Friesen, you know, in the uh, chat. And I was like, hey, um, you know, I'm coming to this conference and I don't want to be like that guy, but I definitely want to like meet some people and, and, you know, get into some groups. Like, what do you suggest? And he was like, look, we're going to be at this one bar um, we always go there the first night, come find us and we'll take care of you. And so I walked in, you know, didn't know anybody really. Todd's like, Brent, Greg's like, hey, dude. And they like took my cell phone number, invited me to Greg's birthday party, which was like a big event and just started kind of hanging out with me. And then, you know, it, it kind of rebounded. But what I, my approach really um, has always been social skills. Like I've always been really good at like, you know, connecting with people and, 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 and really making it meaningful. So I, my, my strategy was really like not so much about meeting 100 people, but about meeting two or three and making it really meaningful so that I would have real connections. And so the people I met were just super influential, right? I met Danny Sullivan. Um, me and Matt Cutts kind of became friends. And that's a, a funny story in itself because um, a part of my testing, you know, when you talk about how did I want to, you know, uh, challenge myself to learn all this was, is that um, I created a website called Weird Asia News very early on. Um, before there was really like offbeat sites and stuff like that, um, because my ex at the time, um, she was Chinese. And so she was translating these Hong Kong stories, these crazy stories out of these like random Hong Kong newspapers and stuff. And those things weren't getting redistributed at the time. It wasn't like news was going out all over the world and being redistributed. So um, I was like, dude, we should totally translate these. It would give me a great, you know, ability to kind of have some fun with a website and, and, and learn SEO. And so I created Weird Asia News and I, I thought it out. I was like, let's call it weird asianews.com 
it's available. I created it. And in doing so, um, one of the first articles was about a 500 person orgy in Japan. And so I started ranking for orgy and I was in Wikipedia as the only reference link, you know, for, for orgy was to like this article I'd written. And so after 30 days, I had a PR six and the site was crushing it. I mean, it just literally ranked for anything. Um, and I started getting a ton of links, started getting a ton of authority. Um, and so when I was at the conference, I had noticed that my ranking had gone down and I had gone up to Matt Cuts. And, you know, the whole story with Matt was that he didn't drink alcohol, right? So he either drank Sprite or 7-Up. I can't remember at this time, but it was one of those kind of soft drinks instead of alcohol. And so I noticed that he was over there getting bombarded by 100 people. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to go up and ask this guy a question. Like, that. that's just me being the same as everybody else. So I went over to the bartender and got a Sprite. And took it to him. And I was like, you look thirsty. And I handed him Sprite. You know, he smelled it, took a drink. He was happy, you know. So after it was all over, he actually came up to me. And he was like, hey, I really appreciate you bringing me a drink. And so we started chatting. And I, I mentioned Weird Asian News. And he's like, oh, I know that site. Yeah, I've seen that site around. And um, I said, yeah, but the, the rankings just tanked. And he's like, that's eh, probably because you just put these, uh, you know, uh, adult friend finder, you know, affiliate links on, on a couple of your articles. And I so I said, I said, look, oh, my God, I only did that like two or three days ago. Somebody told me I was you know, being silly for not making some money, so I should put these links on there. So he, he said, ah, you know, whatever. Well, that's probably your problem. Next day, he walked up to me and, and tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, I wanted to chat with you for a second. And I was like, all right, what's up? He's like, I went back and checked your site out, and you were right. You only added the three, you know, those links like three days ago, and you already removed them. It's very seldom that I meet somebody who's super honest and straightforward with me. And so I really appreciate your honesty. And so me and him became friends ever since, right? You know, it was, it was that kind of moment that allowed me to connect. But I was really focused on connecting with people to be a real friend. And I always made it a point to do something for them before I ever asked for anything in return. And there's a lot of people, the majority of people I've even met in this industry 15 years later, I've never asked for anything in return. Um, and so I, I, that was kind of my approach was weird Asian news testing, going to the conferences and, and, and connecting with people that understood um, this technology because I realized that my questions weren't going to be answered by a one you know, answer. It wasn't going to be like, oh, do this. And I was going to understand. I needed somebody that would take the time and help me understand really the, the, the complete picture of what this marketing was. And so I needed to have real friends in order to do that. And that was my strategy and my approach. And I think, I think it worked well. I think it continues to work well, you know, is just be authentic, honest, and, you know, and straightforward. Yep. And for anybody that doesn't understand the extent of what Brent is saying, at the time, Matt Cutts, or the Google guy, was the head of web spam at Google. He now is an administrator over at the United States Digital Service, I believe. And um, that's a fantastic story. And so you, you were basically building this kind of Petri dish for testing um, with some of your own sites. So how did you take any of these learnings and really apply it to what you were doing in-house? You know, how did you take that and apply it towards, you, you know, this, this job you had at the assist guide? Sure. I mean, so there was a lot of basic level things that were lacking, like a lot of companies have, especially back then, right? You didn't have even title tags. You had a lot of, you know, duplicate content. You had no links. You had no internal linking. You know, there's a lot of base level things that I was able to fix and move forward. But I really found that like I was probably in SEO for like two or three months and then I found Dig, you know, and Dig had launched 
and Reddit and Dig both kind of launched around the same time. And there was only a handful of people that were really even noticing it. It was like Neil Patel and me and, you know, a handful of other people were kind of really Cameron were, um, were getting into, you know, using Dig. And I kind of remember at this time, it was probably like, I don't know, 10, 15 Digs to get to the front page. And it was very, very early. But what we realized quickly was that there was a need to create content. All these websites, all everybody was starting to wake up to the web and there was a desire. This was freshness time period and everything. So people wanted content, right? And um, they were utilizing a lot of major publishing, you know, uh, organizations. A lot of major sites were utilizing um, crowdsourcing through Dig and Reddit to kind of tell you what was popular for the moment. Like, you know, stories would trickle up and dig and they would hit it and then they would hit every other website, right? And we even had tests, man. If you remember, Linda, Linda man, um, did that one thing where he did a fake article about the kid who stole the credit cards and, and bought all the prostitutes and did all, you know, it was like this whole idea of like writing this insane story, got it on the front page of Dig and then it was like on CNN and it was like, it actually hit mainstream media. And so we realized really quickly, like, holy crap, like, People are really paying attention to these social sites. And, and as SEOs, we were like, well, we're trying to get these like deeper links. We're trying to get traffic. We're trying to get traction. We're trying to get links in general. And so um, I started playing with Dig and Reddit with Weird Asian News. And I you know, was doing everything wrong, right? I had built an account called Weird Asian News. I was only submitting my own content. I was breaking all the rules, right? But it was new. I, I didn't understand. I was learning, right? Um, because I had this crazy, weird, offbeat content, I ended up hitting the front page of Dig, and that's how I ended up getting that PR, you know, six I was telling you about. Because um, we used to use, uh, I forget the name of it, it's like Technorati Media had that blog um, engine where you could see the links that were being, uh, you know, published to different sites. So you could go in and put your site in, you could see all the inbound links you were getting. Right. And that was how we would determine if we were getting inbound links back in the day. And so I noticed that like when I hit the front page, I, I could hit refresh every three or four minutes and I had a complete list of new links. So I was getting thousands and thousands and thousands of links. And that really turned me on to the idea that if I could position content properly and put it on the social media, I could get the authority of the, the link authority that you could get in a year. I could get in a day. And, and, and I, I was able to connect the dots to the value of that. And then I immediately shifted to social media. And my real big break in all of that was really um, Todd Malicote, who was a friend of mine, reached out to me and he was like, hey, Brett Tabke just wrote this article about speaking at conferences. If you could get this on the front page of Dig, because nobody had anything SEO on Dig yet. He's like, you could build a name for yourself. So I noticed he had a paragraph at the bottom, which was how to speak drunk. So I focused only on that paragraph and I, and so I posted how to, how to speak, you know, drunk at a conference and it went right to the front page of Dig and it crushed, um, PubCon's site. Brett still talks about it to this day. I even talked last year about that being their number one most trafficked page, even to this day, um, you know, 15 years later, um, and it crushed his site. So when I met him, he was like, you have to come speak. I mean, this was four months into my career. I met Brad Tabke and he's like, you have to come speak at PubCon. And I was like, no way in hell. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, there's no way I can get up on stage. <laughs> I've been in this industry for like four months. How am I going to get up on stage at PubCon, the number one event in the world at the time for marketing 
and, and speak. And I was like, I don't know, maybe if you could put me on a panel and I could just talk and I didn't have to present, then I could do it. And so he's like, well, let's talk more about it. And then Neil was, um, me and Neil were working close. And so um, I just learned that social media was important. So when you, when you ask, like, what did I apply from SEO? Honestly, I really didn't do too much because at that point I shifted over to social. And so the client I was working for, you know, Aegis, I was doing work for them, but I started focusing on social and link building because that was going to get them the most results at that time. So I was like, how can we start writing articles? How can we start creating content that we can get on Dig, that we can get on Reddit? And let's use that as a way to propel our authority and our visibility and have success. And then once people found out that I could do that, it was like, I mean, Viacom, Yahoo!, eBay, you know, Meredith Publishing, newspapers. I mean, I had so many people banging down my door, you know, with blank checks. Like, oh, you can go get us, you know, $300,000 worth of links in a day? Well, how much money do you want? And I didn't even know how to deal with any of that. But I just, you know, rode that wave. And I just kind of built my, my company and my career out of those initial kind of social media blowing up and at that time it wasn't even popular like nobody wanted social right it's like oh it's killing my click-through rates on my adsense i'm blocking that traffic and this this traffic sucks like everybody was like anti-social traffic at the time but i just rode that kind of wave and and so by the time social media became popular when facebook came out and everything i hit i had five six years of experience you know so at that time when it became something people wanted it was like who are you going to hire somebody who's been doing it for five days or somebody who's been doing it for five years and so it really helped me a lot to kind of get ahead yeah and your attitude it was something i really appreciated you know we're talking about ages which is not the most sultry topic i guess for anything social but you'd find ways to go about it and things to again to promote and it wasn't like hey how can we not do this? You'd always find a way to make things work. Even for clients that weren't overly, you know, flashy, you'd find a, a creative hook and in, in use that and leverage that. And that's that's something yeah, I think we can all take away from this. There was one time we had a loan company. So there was a loan company and they did um, corporate loans for manufacturing. And the loans were like at least $10 million. Like it was like for companies that wanted to really like build like, you know, like malls and parking lots. And they needed all that equipment, all that stuff. And they just wanted at least to get started. This was a company that did those loans. And so they were, their clientele really wanted that government looking site. And so we ended up doing a big campaign that was like, about Al Gore and him trying to like take down like business and how that led to this opportunity that you use. It was this whole thread and we built a whole site that looked like, um, you know, those government sites at the time so that people would think it was more legit. And it wasn't a lie. It was like a true story. Everything was legit in there, but we just packaged it up as this like fun viral thing and got it on the front page of dig and crushed it. Right. I mean, it was like, it was, it was a lot of fun. And so at that point, it was probably around, what, 2008, where you had all these people coming, looking for help, and you went as a consultant full-time. Is that correct? Yeah, 2007, but you're pretty close, yeah. Okay. And so why did you decide to make the change? Was it just the opportunity, or you know, what kind of led you that direction? Well, I wasn't so tied into – got to remember, like, 
my passion really has always been in learning how things work and then kind of hacking it, kind of optimizing it, right? So even from an early day, I would learn like, oh, this is how a forum works. Let me let me create one. This is how a website works. Let me. I would learn how to hack code. I'd learn how to like kind of like just kind of optimize scenarios to get the most out of them for the least effort, right? You know, th- you know, work smart, not hard, right? And so um, social for me came at a time period when I wasn't tied to SEO. Like it, it, there was nobody doing it. And I think a lot of it was because it was just a trend at the time. And they were like, well, I've got my bread and butter over here. I'm not going to go shift over here. And nobody, I didn't have that limitation on me because I was so new in the industry. So I was able to really just kind of take on social as my thing. And I, I have to admit, I mean, not for nothing. I, I loved, you know, every aspect of marketing and the fact that people find passion in it. But if it came down to me looking through analytics or writing, you know, content or doing link building or creating some fun ass top 10 ways to do this, I, I was absolutely going to create viral content, viral videos, viral campaigns over any other type of work. I mean, I, I loved being able to say, what do you do for a living? I watch YouTube all day and then share videos. I mean, you know, it, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember one time um, we had an adult client and I had to go to one of my employees. It was like, um, uh, you know him. And uh, he was younger at the time. And I was like, hey, um, can do you, would you be all right with looking at nudity all day? Because <laughs> I need you to like people don't understand about stumble upon. And stumble upon had an option in the back end that you could turn on X rated content. And about I would say three fourths of stumble upon was X rated at the time. So as soon as you turned that on, it opened up a whole nother world of stumble upon, and that's where all the adult industry was thriving wasn't stumbled upon at the time and so they, we were hired by a large company to kind of manage that and so there, there was just all these fun projects that you would get into that were just genuinely interesting and fun to play with and you know the money the money wasn't bad you know yeah and thank goodness we just have the, the main reddit today where there's absolutely nothing unsavory on the site yeah, in right. its entirety <laughs> Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. And so at the time, I, I would say that you were maybe one of four or five companies out there that really had a, a beat on that social media aggregation side of it. You know, again, really being able to get stories to become popular, drive just just hundreds of thousands of eyeballs and hours and links as well. Um, and so 
I know just because I was working with you at the time at a company called 1020, and you had started to optimize, as you said. <laughs> uh, and there were just for, for the listening audiences, this is a, a pretty complex scenario. Uh, you really had to put in work um, historically uh, on these sites. And you had to participate. You had to be a team player. You had to go out and really support, vote people up. And again, it was Dig was was truly the front page of the internet at the time. Well, well um, people hated it, but there was power users, right? And so power users, you got to remember, like ninety nine percent of these people just lurked. Nobody really wants to put in the work. Nobody wants to participate. Nobody wants to go out and find that content. But there was probably three or four hundred people that were like watching wired.com refreshing every two minutes like you had all the rss feeds set up for the main places and when stuff would come out it would be submitted within seconds of being published seconds right it was a mad competition with power users to be the first one to submit so all you really needed to do to have success in social early on was being in that power user group and and what did they want they wanted to hit the front page so you had to vote for every single thing they submitted. And so we, <laughs> so there was a guy named Nilesh and he was, um, God, he was, I think called Dig Boss, but he kind of changed his name a couple times because he had a couple names, but he was Dig Boss at the time. And he wrote a script, a Grease Monkey script that would allow you to open up your friend's activity page, click a button and it would vote on everybody, right? It would just vote down the list. And as soon as I saw that, I thought that can't be good, right? Like they're going to see that you're voting on every single of the, all these same stories. It's, it's only a matter of time before they're going to catch that. So I was never comfortable using it. So I wouldn't use it. I would just continue to kind of do it manually and, and, and kind of participate. And about a month or two after that, everybody got banned. Like a whole bunch of power users got banned for using the script. And I, I emailed um, Nilesh the, the day he got banned. And I was like, I want to hire you. Like you had a smart idea, but you kind of went around about it in, in an unprotected way. So we sat down and spent about six months. And um, what we did, and, and this is a told story. And, and, and so people know this, but what we did is um, we got an anonymous search, you know, uh, tool uh, that you could, you know, install on your server. And we contacted all the shared hosting companies. And I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, but you could get shared hosting for like $1.99 a month, right? People were just like building these servers up everywhere. So we would identify the IPs and we would find one hosting company in each state. And then we'd find some around the world and we would pay the 99 cent or $1.99 for it. And then we would email them and say, well, we're building the site right now, so we need IP access. We don't want to, you know, we're, we're not trying to launch a website or anything like that. We need IP. And then what we'd do is we installed a uh, customized version of the anonymous um, searching engine. And um, we made a doorway so that we could load up, dig, register accounts. And then we built over six months an AI that would you know, essentially leave no footprint and be completely randomized to run hundreds of accounts. And what we did is we, we ran them for maintenance. So it would just have all kinds of things like, you know, um, every three hours you have a 25% chance to wake up or go back to sleep. So the bot would just, oh, it's time to wake up. Okay, well, you can enter dig from any of 10 different pages. And then if somebody's a friend, then you have a 75% chance of voting for them. If they're not a friend, you had a 25% chance of voting for them. You know, it was like all these things that would have... So no matter what, even if it was our own accounts that had submitted, the best we had was a 75% chance of voting on it. So that we would have more failures than successes, but we would do it on a volume that 
all the failures accounted for enough to keep us moving forward, right? So we'd use that to kind of maintain the account, and then we could log into the interface and pick an account, and it would ping through the IP, and we would submit our content. So at one point, we had like five of the top 30 accounts. And, you know, I was an alpha tester. I knew a lot of the people at Dig. I knew the, the founders of Reddit. I was hanging out with Alexis, you know, Ohanian, um, you know, having tacos at Todd's house and, and running around doing random stuff. I have a fun story sometime about um, my car getting towed with Alexis and, um, uh, and, and us trying to track my car down. It was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, uh, those guys and that, those connections and that work, what we created was you know, a tool and, and very few, we didn't let anybody have it. That was the thing, right? Is everybody makes these tools and they sell them. We were, we made this tool and spent a lot of money, a lot of time. And I think I let four or five people touch it. Todd Malico, you, maybe one or two others ever had access to even look at it because our goal wasn't, our goal was to, you know, succeed in, in the promotions for our clients, not to build a tool, you know? So we built that. And then that led to, stumble upon tools and reddit to i mean just let you know we, we started creating a tool for everything you know care to you know curtsy when curtsy first came out yahoo buzz we had to we just would use these tools and kind of build them up but we would never use them to like force things to the front page we just used them to maintain our accounts and then whenever we would submit something because of not only the connections we had with the influencers but also our clients i mean we had you know, Condé Nast, we were pushing wired content. You remember, you were with me. Like, do you know what I had to, all I had to do is go to all the power users and say, hey, Wired, I have a friend at Wired and they leaked the content to me a day early. Here's all the links, pick one and submit it. And so everybody like had the Wired content, which was a guaranteed front page. So they loved it. And then they would all submit it for free for me. In exchange, they'd actually owe me a favor because I did them a favor by letting them submit my content. It was a weird thing, but it worked out really, really well. So we just, we had Yahoo News at one time, and we just had such big clients, and we were only promoting things that were really valuable and really worthy of being on the front page anyway. So we just kind of coasted under the radar and, and, and dominated. You know, there was one point, I have screenshots where we had the entire front page of Dig, where, you know, you know we had Dig, Reddit, we had, I mean, it, there, there's, it was so much fun back then. That was also when I would sleep in my office and we had the dig alerter. Remember that little dig alerter tool that would ding oh, yeah. whenever you'd get votes. <laughs> and then when you hit the front page, it had that nice little whistle. I was like, oh, yeah. So I'd sleep on my floor and wake up three o'clock in the morning and check that stuff. You know, it was it was a different day, but it was fun. Yeah. So you had the spot army and basically at the time there were all these other folks out there trying really hard. But but seeing what you had built at the time they were they were playing uh, checkers on a chessboard is the best way to describe it but again you were using it for good and, and trying to really surface positive articles that should be there anyway um so i think that that's well, that was my justification right it, i mean yeah uh, and, and then here's the thing is that like as much as everybody as much as you could say well that was questionable like alexis and them would ask me to promote stuff on dig all the time like I would promote stuff for them on Dig, and I knew the guys at Dig, and I, you know, it's like I had my account banned and unbanned on Dig multiple times, right? And same on Reddit. Like, they, I would get in trouble for something. I'd go back to the people I know. They would, they knew what I was doing and just didn't care because, again, they were like, "Well, you're promoting good content, you know. You're not really granted, you know, maybe you're." You're, you're, you're getting a little gray about it. But again, we never, we never abused it and never did anything like I would consider detrimental to the experience. And so we kind of were able to coast by because of that. 
Exactly, exactly. And right about um, maybe what was it about uh, 2010 or so, um, you had teamed up with a few other folks, you know, kind of riding high off of the social media aggregation. Um, and I believe that's really when you first started um, partnering with Lauren a bit, um, a bit more than than usual. So I guess um, at that point, can you talk about what your next steps were? Yeah, so that's the, you know, the company that shall not be named, right? Um, and that was when Blue Glass kind of formed. And, and, and what was happening there was, you know, I, we could charge, like I said, we, we had like this blank check kind of concept early on because it was really easy and everybody wanted it. And, you know, then, then things, things started changing, right? Google started valuing some of those links less, you know, they were signals less than they were, you know, authority. And then, you know, um, blocking and linking just started really going down, right? With, the, with Facebook and social media, people started linking less, you know, people blogged less, you know. And, and so um, we just saw kind of a decline in, in what we could do and, and more sites were popping up and Dig was shooting itself in the foot like every other day. Um, you know, allowing publishers to auto post and then losing their deal with Google because their code sucked. And then, they, you know, looking at the grass is green. Well, why don't we have the valuation that Facebook has? And then, you know, uh, you know, so so did kind of continue, started going down. And we were like, well, shit, you know, some of these things that we had locked down weren't as locked down anymore. And so honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I started looking at like, what's my exit plan? I mean, I'm doing this, but like, I can't sell a business that's just me. You know, how do I have some sort of value? I had a lot of friends and built companies by this time. I, I was seeing, you know, the path to success and it wasn't just being, you know, a simple consultant forever, I would say. And so um, me, Chris and Lauren and them kind of came together and decided if we created an agency, you know, we could really pull some of the best minds together and provide a really valuable service. Um, now that, that didn't come to pass, right? What ended up happening is a total shit show. And um, there's, you know, I, I could diatribe on that for hours, but <laughs> but I won't. You know, I'll just to, say to, to your credit, though, if there was uh, at least a year, year and a half where you had some of the who's who of digital marketing involved and. In, I mean, you guys had the the best blog. You guys were were absolutely crushing it for for a little while there. Yeah, I mean, but it was all smoke and mirrors. I mean, we we just the reality was is we all ran boutique agencies, right? You know, I can float not getting paid by one client for three months because I'm just dealing with lower costs. So, um, and, and it's not a, an office space, and there's not paychecks. You know, it was much easier when I had three or four employees, and I was just kind of doing my thing. And then when we all came together, next thing you knew, we had eight, 60 employees. We had a $500,000 burn rate. Like, I mean, it was just like, th these were different levels. And then they started getting into stuff like, uh, what kind of phone systems do you get? How do you manage? Like, we had just never done big, mid, mid to big size business and all the things that come with it. And there is a ton of things. So what happened was, you know, the minds in the group were the ones running the company. And we had to learn all these business aspects, right? Things that were taking us away from client work. And so we were trying to say, okay, well, here's employees, you take on more responsibility, but of course they never really quite do it the way you do. Right. And so, you know, we just started seeing like, uh, issues where, you know, payroll would, you know, a, a payment from a client wouldn't come in for three or four months. And all of a sudden we were like, fighting with credit card companies. It's like, well, the money's coming. And they're like, well, we don't care. It's not here. We're going to shut you off, you know? And so it, it became a game of how do we keep the company open one more week every week? And that got stressful. Um, and, 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 and I was after not even a year and I was out. 
right? You know, we had a disagreement on the value of social. Um, at the time, you know, people really didn't, even at that time, it wasn't really established that social media was going to be the next major thing. It was still like social media is just a thing, right? Um, and so I, I had a different view on the future of the internet and, and, and storytelling, essentially really storytelling. And that's what it's all about is like, you know, how people talk about things, right? That's marketing, right? And so I saw social as being, you know, more than a link building tactic. And, you know, everybody else was SEOs and they were like, well, how does it help link building? How does it help SEO? And I'm like, I don't care how to, you know, how it helps those. That's not what it's about. And so um, I was given an opportunity to kind of exit the company. And so within a year I exited. Um, and the funny thing was, is a lot of the, uh, the clients that Blue Glass had lost contacted me as soon as I left and hired me. So, um, <laughs> And so that was good, you know, um, you know, and so I, I ended up, uh, I ended up being all right. I went, you know, in making pretty good money and being successful, uh, blue glass, you know, time period was the lowest in my career. And then as soon as I left, everything went back uphill again. So, you know, I learned a lot. I have no, you know, um, regrets. Uh, I wasn't involved in the decline of blue glass cause I had left before that happened, but I got to sit back and, and watch it all and, and quietly, you know, watch it happen. And, and that's kind of what I did. But, you know, it did lead me to understanding a lot more about my, you know, having confidence in myself and in my business. And so once I left that, but, you know, the good thing that really came out of that, and I don't think a lot of people know is that, you know, Lauren founded Search Engine Journal. But um, when we merged all these up, we, um, I had started a company with Todd Malico. God, Way before that, like really early days, we we wanted to make a site for Dig and Reddit. So we had, um, we were like alpha, you know, we were like, what kind of content? Well, male content, you know, and, and you categorize how you want. But like men, men's magazine type content was crushing it on Dig. And so we were like, well, you know, let's look at some phrases. So we were looking at domains and we, we found this domain called amog, A-M-O-G dot com. And we were like alpha male of group oh, we could totally make a men's magazine out of this, right? It's a four-letter domain. You know, we, we dominate social. And so we did, and we, we, we started really going with that. So we built a company called Alpha Brand Media where we had, like, a bunch of websites that we were, like, picking up and going to do this same model on, right? And then with Blue Glass... Um, we ended up um, merging all of these domains. We had like 300 domains together and we put them under Alpha Brand Media. And the idea was is at some point we would merge them all together and be one big happy family. But then that just didn't happen. And so Alpha Brand Media, which I was still pretty actively involved with, that being the you know, one of the founders, um, now owns Search Engine Journal. And we tried to run like probably a handful of sites for another year. But then um, Janice was CEO of Alpha Brand Media. And, um, you know, it wasn't a focus for a lot of people. People were focused on the, the agency side. And so she single-handedly was kind of like managing these initiatives and kind of keeping things going. And I was working with her. And then um, once it all kind of fell apart, we um, it ended up being me, Lauren, Janice, and, and that was the three that kind of remained in the company. Everybody else exited whatever, sold their shares, whatever. And so we ended up having Search Engine Journal. But you know, at that time, Search Engine Journal, and, and I, I don't feel bad saying this because it was the truth, had really kind of become crap. You know, anybody could write there. Anybody could get a link from there. So the first thing we did is say, well, we got to clean this up. And so we spent probably the next four or five years on process and, 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 and you know, employees and weeding out writers and bringing the brand back around. Um, and and it, it's been a lot of work over the last decade. But 
we're very, very happy with where it's resulted. And it's, it's, it's been a lot of hard work to do it. But that's the blessing. You know, the underlining blessing of the agency move was I ended up, you know, owning a part of Search Engine Journal. And, and, and that makes me very happy today. Yeah, and I had that down as kind of the silver lining of that that agency experience that that you had built up there. Um, but but I guess just just to go back one second, what advice would you give to somebody, maybe that independent contractor, solopreneur out there, that maybe thinking about starting an agency on their own and taking it to that next level? Is there anything you would tell them directly? Yeah, I mean, it's re- you really, really, really need to have somebody that you can get along with, like your partners and the people that you're involved with. You have to, you have to spend some time getting to know how they operate under distress, right? And, and how and have a plan for how you're going to deal with the financials. I th- the biggest thing with going to the next level is. There are hidden costs, there's hidden fees, there's no longer this kind of floating things. Things have to be paid at specific times. So you really have to have like an operations person. I, I, nobody wants to invest when you're going to the next level, but I think a, a, a real true business structure is essential. Having a finance person, having an operations person, having a CTO that are dedicated not to clients, but to your company's success you know, I think that that is paramount. And I think really taking the time to understand what it is that each person's going to do and what they're going to be responsible for. I think those are two things that are make or break for most, most agencies kind of growing. Fantastic. And so you talked a little bit about how, I mean, Search Engine Journal, by all accounts, looking at the metrics, is the largest search engine site um, today, right? Correct. Is that fair to say? I, I think um, so, yeah. Yeah. So over the last, let's say, roughly nine years or so since you kind of teamed up and uh, it's Laura and Janice and you kind of leading the way, you said process. Is there anything else that helped to lead the way to, you know, achieving that that monumental, you know, achievement, I guess? You know, I have to give a lot of credit to Janice. And, uh, you know, and I don't know if this is because she's not a digital marketer. Like, I mean, as much as she's knowledgeable, don't get me wrong, but her day job was never like an SEO or anything like that. Right. So I think that one of the things that was really important and is probably one of the, there's a lot of things I could say, like, you know, the editorial process, getting Danny on board. There's a lot of things that really helped the site succeed. But where it could have gone south and it didn't was the fact that we really listened to everything anybody ever said about us. Like, we didn't get defensive. Like, if somebody was like, this article sucks this is why, or you shouldn't have posted this, or you shouldn't have said this, or you guys are screwing up with this, or why are you letting this person write? Every time somebody says something about us, we don't just brush it off. We're very, very involved in reviewing that. So when we find out, if somebody says, hey, somebody's selling links, we don't just go and ban them. We do a huge investigation and we go through a whole bunch of conversations and we go through a whole bunch of looking before we would find that person and remove them so that anybody that was removed as an author from Search Engine Journal had a massive amount of, of research into why they should be removed and it was without a doubt that they should have been removed. There was, there's never been a situation where we had any doubt whatsoever um, at all whether or not something was important for us to, you know, to remove somebody. But more importantly, 
to add a feature, remove a feature, change the site. When people were critical of us, we would go and say, let's assume they're right. Let's just say they're right right now. Why are they right? Why could they be right? And what can we do? And so we would spend weeks talking about these discussions, going back and forth, making cases before we would make decisions. But we made a lot of decisions based on user feedback. And so the reason in my mind that Search Engine Journal is the number one digital marketing publication for marketers is because we really truly built it for marketers. We built it for our audience. We listened. We paid attention to read counts for categories. We, we looked at how how many times people clicked on categories we we started focusing in and saying look you know these are the categories our readers really care about we did a lot of surveys and we do that with our webinars with our podcasts everything people complained about me they said you know you're clicking too much because i'd research what people were talking about on the show and i didn't know my mic was picking that up so i'd be typing and researching what they were saying reading the article so i could come up with another question and people were like, that's so rude of you to not even pay attention to your listener. I was like, oh, shit, I need to fix that. You know, your mic sucks. OK, I need to fix that. You know, and so we really pay attention to to that feedback and make adjustments. And I think without getting defensive about it. And I think that um, that is really something that I think is unique about not about us, you know, and unique as far as like other companies in the world. But definitely in the digital marketing space, I think that we've been a little more um, conscientious of that. Yeah, lean into that feedback. It's, it's a, maybe the most helpful thing you can have, you know, so that's that's fantastic. And then, you know, so you wear a lot of hats and Search Engine Journal is just one of those hats um, now. And we talked about the fact that, you know, you stepped down and you're now doing, uh, you're kind of consulting again still. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, so, you know, about six months to a year ago, I just got unhappy. Like, you know, a lot of people go through ups and downs in life, but I just... I realized that what I was doing work for was the wrong reason and it was it was it was weighing on me. And so I stopped doing any client work for a little while for about 3 to 4 months. And during that time I really thought about what do I miss? You know, I would think about I haven't done anything for a month. What do I miss about it? What do I, and I missed the campaigns. I missed you know, coming up with the ideas and running campaigns. I missed Reddit. I missed, you know, the work that I was doing there. And so um, I really stopped doing a lot of the work that didn't make sense to me and it wasn't fun. It wasn't interesting. And I stopped taking on clients that didn't have the right mindset for what I wanted to do. And so right now what I'm doing is I am still doing consulting. I work, uh, I don't have any problem with saying I work with a company called Purple, Purple Mattress. Um, I don't work for them, but I work with them. Um, and uh, I wouldn't even mind working for them. They're an amazing company, really, honestly. Um, but, you know, um, I, I manage their entire Reddit uh, campaigns and their accounts and everything like that. And so we um, really spent some time, me and I, I still have Nilesh on my team from 15 years ago. Um, and uh, me and Nilesh will talk a lot about like, what does it really mean to be uh, present on a social media site? And Reddit is one of those sites that really scares a lot of marketers. But I always said, you know, I've always said, and I'll say it today, if you're failing on Reddit, you're failing across social. It's just Reddit's not polite. They're, they're not just going to ignore the fact that you suck, right? They're going to tell you, you know, um, and, and I think a lot of times on Facebook and other places like that, people can, don't tell you, they don't say like, this isn't cool or this sucks or, you know, people are more willing to kind of let things go where on Reddit they're anonymous and they don't have any problem calling you out. And so I think that, um, 
you know, for me, I really wanted companies that were willing, you know, clients that were willing to understand the value of being on Reddit. And so I focused a lot on like the studies that, that have been done, a lot of the you know, storytelling, a lot of the, you know, elements. People, you know, I could go through statistic after statistic, but Reddit is single-handedly the best site to be on if you're a brand. I mean, there's just, there's no question in my mind that if you want uh, to have success, you should be on Reddit, but it's hard and it takes time and it takes commitment and it takes a long-term strategy. And so, um, there's and only, can I, can I, but yeah, in? absolutely. It takes a specialist too. maybe most importantly, you know, to be able to go in there and not be pr- promotional, not just go make a fool of themselves and, and speak the wrong way, which is something that I think you do quite well, and, if and, not the best. And, and I, you know, and, and honestly, I, I like to, you know, I don't often pat myself on the back, but I've been on it since it launched. I knew I was involved in discussions. I was an alpha tester when subreddits came out. So I was able to create subreddits before anybody else. You know, I've been heavily involved in the site. I still don't know everything about the site. I still get called out, you know, on a regular basis. I'll have somebody just chew me out. Like, clearly you don't know Reddit. You're such an idiot. And, and, and because of the fact that Reddit is not a community, Reddit is a software solution that allows people to make communities. So you have tens of thousands of communities with people that think differently and that have different expectations for how their community should be run. Right. And so when, with even, even saying that I probably know Reddit a lot more than most people and even Reddit, because I have, I currently have an NDA with Reddit and I work with the Reddit team. So I'm able to call them on the cell, you know, I'm able to talk to them directly. I've got access to, you know, 15 people at the company and they'll review my strategies and we work together on a lot of stuff um, because they want to better understand how to do organic promotion, right? They, they, They have a paid team, but they don't really get that kind of like organic promotion side and a lot of companies are getting chewed up and so they want to understand why and so we made an agreement where I would share information they would share information and we would work together and so um, even with all of that there uh, you have to you know and they even said in an email that they felt like I knew it better than most but that doesn't matter because Reddit is always going to challenge you and I make mistakes on a daily basis and I get destroyed on Reddit regularly Um, but I learn each time and I what I learn is how that individual community operates differently because how one community works and how another community works can be completely opposite. And so you could say, oh, I know my 15 subreddits. I've crushed it on here for years. My company's done amazing. Turn around and walk to another company and try to do the same thing and get destroyed. So really Reddit, you know, what what has been important for me on Reddit has been being flexible to learn and learn quickly. Like I got asked to do um, a lot. uh, I wrote about this a little bit, but TikTok, when TikTok came out, it wasn't blowing up yet right it was in that early stage they were paying so much money on youtube ads that you couldn't even watch a youtube video without seeing something from tiktok and because it was a foreign-owned company they didn't really understand our you know culture they were marketing some pretty lame videos some pretty like cringy at the time was what they were calling them cringy videos and so um reddit unbeknownst to me tiktok had become like the most hated app on reddit not only that but they really had no customer support they were getting spammed left and right by tiktok because they don't they weren't enforcing any affiliate requirements to not spam um and there was a lot of like 11 year old girls that are barely dressed dancing around second and it was just like look there's just a lot of issues 
with TikTok at that time. And so they asked if I would be willing. And I didn't know a lot of this, to be honest. It was a new platform. I hadn't really gotten on it yet. And so they reached out to me through another company. And so we were going to manage building a TikTok account and having a Reddit presence. So we did a campaign. And within five minutes, I had over 300 comments about all pretty much telling me I should get cancer and die. Um, and, and so it's those scenarios where I was like, crap, I don't think I've ever had such a strong negative impact to a campaign that I'm doing. And this, you know, I wanted this to succeed. So I just decided to start getting snarky and started making myself a person instead of a, an account. And so they would say stuff like, go back to YouTube. And I'd say, hey, I hear they have a lot of TikTok ads there. Haha, <laughs> you know. And so I started, you know, kind of giving people like platinum awards, which is like a virtual six pack for people on Reddit. I started giving people that were saying the meanest, most hateful thing. I was giving them awards and telling them thanks for their feedback. <laughs> and before I knew it, within an hour, we had over a thousand karma, which is, you know, they had, um, our campaigns had been reposted and screenshotted and reposted. There was seven posts on the front page of Reddit that had to do with these campaigns. We were seeing millions of eyeballs all on these TikTok ads that we were running all about our account. And within about 48 hours, I had people editing comments to make them softer. I had people saying, look, you guys aren't bad. We just would like you to change. I had people sending me suggestions on how I could do better ads on Reddit, um, how I could improve the TikTok app as a whole. And we ended up, even though we had some like uh, groups that were like, hey, TikTok's on Reddit, downvote their account. Let's give them the most negative karma ever. We ended up having over a thousand karma. We ended up getting our ads, ended up getting tons of platinum awards and gold awards and silver awards which I'd never seen an ad get reward you know awards before and um, it was it was pretty successful and, and since then that was really when kind of the brand you know the branding on reddit turned around and so the key is really to be nimble and to, to engage in that conversation in a way where you're flexible to be wrong and you're willing to kind of figure it out and people will work with you through it um, and even with the purple account, I made a couple mistakes on campaigns where I just worked with the audience to fix it and everybody ended up being a bigger fan because of it. So you have to be flexible. You have to take the time to research. You have to be willing to seriously be a part of the community. And that's something a lot of companies, unfortunately, are just not. They, they would rather say, how, how can I pay you and just get some money back? Right. Most people don't want to put that work in. So Reddit's hard for companies because they're lazy and don't want to do the work. And that's a sad, that's a sad truth in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of burning the calories and learning it, they just give up. And instead of giving up, I guess just call Brent <laughs> and be on your way, all you big companies out there. Um, and he'll guide you on that. So I guess, is there anything else that you, um, you, anybody out there in the social side now that you would tell them in general, maybe somebody out there that's just starting up now has heard the whole story. What would you say to them speaking to them directly? Dude, I mean, the biggest thing you can do to be successful in any social niche right now, and I, and I say this all the time, is go and, and, and follow the developer forums, the support communities, and, and all those areas, right? If you go into those sections on anything, Instagram, whatever, those developers, those people, those testers will constantly talk about new features. They'll talk about flaws in those features. You can find so many opportunities to be able to be knowledgeable about how things work and how they don't work. And 
a lot of times when you're trying to land a client or you're trying to run a campaign, you need to know what works, but you also need to know what doesn't work, what doesn't work the way it's supposed to, how people are hacking fixes. And if you spend your time in the support forums and in the developer forums of these social sites, you will be knowledgeable in a way that will get you more business and give you more success in the campaigns you're running. Fantastic. And I know we went way long, but one last question for you, because you're here as a guest on the Search Engine Journal show. Um, you've talked about how you, the team built Search Engine Journal to where it is today. What's next? What do you have you know, on the horizon? What are your goals coming forward in, let's say, 2020 and beyond? Well, personally, um, I have a goal to launch a yoga studio with my girlfriend. Um, I've gotten into yoga a lot. I have a lot of injuries from the military and I, I have issues that I've been plaguing me for a long time and yoga has really helped heal that for me and it helped me feel better. So I'm looking forward to kind of opening a small studio with my girlfriend and, and enjoying kind of that different side of business, like actually having a brick and mortar and doing that. Um, and then from Search Engine Journal, the two things I really want to focus on is one, I want to get the podcast and the podcast network on track. Me and you have talked about this. I want to get processes in place. I want to start really improving the quality. I want to improve the technology we're using, the everything. I just really want to like improve the show and make it, you know, better than it is today. And I, I, I think um, a, a lot of the people at Search Engine Journal feel uh, the same as me in saying that we would really like to be a lot more involved in video. Um, and so we're going to be really exploring how we can, you know, do more things with video going forward. Yeah, so that's a preemptive. Head on over to YouTube, subscribe to the Search Engine Journal channel on YouTube and look for some more coming there. And Brent, I just wanted to say thanks for all the tangible takeaways. I know we talked a lot about you, but just in general from everything you talked about, from conferences, from getting your start, from getting your way in to figuring things out. I think there's just so many tangible takeaways that the audience can have here. So thank you for being a guest on your show this week. <laughs> Thanks for uh, joining. Thanks for helping out. Thanks for always just kind of being there. I really appreciate all your support and help. And I appreciate everybody's listening. I tr we, we, we really, truly, truly, truly are blessed and really appreciate everybody who's you know, a fan of our, our, our production. All right. So for more, check out searchenginejournal.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel. Big stuff coming there. And for a news podcast, digital marketing news, Check out Marketing O'Clock if you want to hear more of my nasally drone over there. Each week, every Friday, and this show comes out every Thursday morning. So thanks again, Brent, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.